So there is this recent study out of uh, the Netherlands and Denmark. And the thing about this, before I tell you about the study, there's all these other studies that keep confirming the same thing. The problem is, we humans, we don't want to believe it. And th this study, just to tell you, it's a study where they took two groups of parents. And with one group of parents, um, these parents, uh, they have no problem uh, if their child gets hurt. They let them do what they want. You will get hurt, but let them get hurt. Let them take risks, be hurt. Um, these parents have no problem with having their children suffer for the consequence of their decisions. And you want to play, you do risk, you, you play and get hurt. These parents keep their kids completely safe. You know, they, they really guard their children. So here's the odd part. Which ones, what's the long-term effects of that? that the children whose parents allowed them to suffer, they actually, as adults, have less psychiatric problems and a much lower suicide rate. So the shocking part is, it, in psychology, it's called the, the good mother fails. The good mother lets her children suffer. My mother had no problem with that whatsoever. I, <laughs> The good mother fails means this sounds kind of strange. It's a paradox. You want your children to be strong and healthy? Let them suffer. It's a bizarre thing, but there's all this evidence that proves it. And the odd part is it's a paradox. Now, for any kids out there saying, well, what's a paradox? A paradox is, it's really strange. Two opposite things can both be true. That is suffering... Is suffering tough? Yeah, it's really tough. Is suffering one of the best things that will ever happen to you? Yes, it is. You want your children to suffer. Uh, if you're a good parent, it's a paradox, because you kind of think, well, a good parent would keep them completely safe. And why it's called the good mother fails is, um, sounds horrible, but um, mothers tend to be the most protective. A good parent, a good mother, uh, they introduce you to suffering. And the American model is completely different. The American model, at least in modern times, is that really um, we keep our kids absolutely safe. But the problem is, is that they've proven the American model of keeping your kids free from all pain increases their psychological problems. Increases their psychological problems. Well, even today, we've been working on this. Um, the highest rate of pharmaceuticals for depression and anxiety is with younger children. Keeping them safe, free from pain, is not a good idea. One mental expert said, um, we have a serious mental crisis with teens and young adults. Um, mental health statistics is that mental health for young adults and teens, it's skyrocketing because we never introduce them to pain that may, I shouldn't say pain, but suffering. Suffering is really good. Um, sounds crazy. Now, you don't want to overload your children with suffering. You just want it slightly above them. So they have to become more and more resilient. You want suffering to be like this little bit of inoculation, starting when they're young. A little bit of suffering when they're young uh, inoculates them. So over years, when they become adults, they're kind of immune from suffering. And the odd part is, if you want them to get to happy, 
If you want your kids to be happy, introduce them to suffering. Now, suicide is a really big issue. If you knew as a parent that that would keep them safer, introduce them to suffering when they're younger. Unfortunately, the American model says, no, our kids should never feel any suffering or be uncomfortable. In fact, I read uh, a headline recently that in one school district, they banned to kill a mockingbird, which I read in seventh grade. They banned it because it said it made kids feel uncomfortable. That's the point! <laughs> you, know, you know, prejudice and racism, it should make you feel uncomfortable. Um, that's the point. The problem is the American idea is, um, well, the American idea is this. There's two philosophies. You can either prepare the kid for the road or you prepare the road for the kid. Prepare the kid for the road means, you know, the future is going to be tough. I'm going to make sure my kid can handle the road to the future. Uh, the other philosophy, the American philosophy is, well, no, I'm preparing the road for the kid. I'm going to make sure everything's smooth and level and easy for them. And the problem is you're setting them up for misery. The philosophy of the United States is really that um, they, our kids should be comfortable. The sad part is there's overwhelming studies. The, Norma, uh, sorry, the Norway and the, the Denmark study, it just proves it. You want your kid to thrive? Introduce them to suffering now. Uh, and I hate to say this, I just don't think our kids will be storming the beaches of Normandy because they don't have good cell service there. Um, you know, they won't be able to do it. And the problem is, the, the gospel of our culture is happy, happy, happy. That you make your moral decisions on what will make you happy. Um, that is not Catholic. And that's overwhelming. In fact, there's this interview with the singer Adele. Do you guys know who Adele is? Um, so she pulled out this new album. And she explains in this interview that... The whole album is dedicated to her six-year-old son because um, in this interview, she said, you know, I, she was married and she had a decent marriage, but it wasn't thrilling. And she fell in love with this guy who lives in L.A., so she left her son to move to L.A. to be with her boyfriend. And her son, at, when he's six years old, says to her, and to me, this is amazing, he says, can you see me? And she says, well, yeah, yeah, of course I can see you. You're right there. And he says, no, no, no. Can you see me? Because I can't see you. You're always with him. And like, oh, like, I'm sorry. If that doesn't put a knife in your heart, something's wrong with you. For a six-year-old to say, can you see me? Because I can't see you. But she's got to be with the boyfriend. Um, and so she said, and she says this in the interview. She says, I knew I was going to dismantle his world. I would destroy his world. So this album is me explaining to him. So when he's 20 and 30, he'll know why I destroyed his world. Because, and she says this, because I've got to be happy. What? And I love Adele. Great music. But what? That's your theology? I've got to be happy? But that's what we're doing to our kids. That you make all your decisions on, well, what's going to make me happy? And, and this is a branch of psychology that's called positive psychology. They've studied this. And here's, here's the really important part. To be happy, um, to be happy, don't try and be happy. If you want to reach happy, 
You don't make your moral decisions on what will make me happy right now. Because then it'll get just reduced to pleasure. And overwhelming evidence on this. The Greeks, they always said that. You want to end up at happy? Don't make your decisions on being happy. Um, if you want to end up on being happy, the evidence is overwhelming. You learn to be generous. You learn to self-sacrifice. You learn to actually care about other people where it hurts you when other people are in pain. All those things, generous, compassion, empathy, pain, that's how you get to the road to happiness. Um, how you get to the road to happy is by seeking a blessed life, not an easy life. And I mention that because that's the point of the readings. No, there's overwhelming evidence. I will bore you if I go over it. But there's so much, not just psychological evidence, there's a lot of anecdotal evidence, stories. Like one of my friends, um, in high school, she got this strange disease and she lost all her hair and had to wear a leg brace. Not really what you'd call a great high school experience for a girl. Um, and yet, to this day, just, sorry, the suffering, she got over it. Um, she's beautiful today. She's this great poet with a lot of spiritual depth. In an odd way, the suffering made her a great person. I know this couple where they're very happily married. He is so in love with her. And she is drop-dead gorgeous. Like, she's a type, I hate to say it, she's the type of person where, have you ever met somebody so beautiful, you just, you want to really stare at them because, like, wow, how are they that beautiful? And he was a football star in high school. They went to different high schools. Um, they got married, happily married. And he said to her once, he said, I, I wish that uh, we went to the same high school so we could have gone to prom together. And she said, you wouldn't want to take me to prom. He knows this, but he hasn't really sunk in. You wouldn't want to take me to prom. Do you know what I was dealing with in my senior year of high school? Was cancer. I was going through chemotherapy. At one point, she was uh, uh, on a walker. So she pulls out her phone and says, this is what I look like in high school. <laughs> and she puts the one with her in a walker. Um, and she says, you know, the football star wouldn't have wanted to date me. And this sounds kind of strange. She's amazing. She's not only beautiful, but she's compassionate and witty and joyful. And mother of God, she is made of steel. And she's smart. She speaks two languages. Um, like he's nice, but in all honesty, he's a little shallow. Uh, she's deep, and the best thing that ever happened to him that gave him, gives him some depth in his life, is in high school, she went through cancer. My point being is that maybe the suffering is a blessing. That's the paradox. That maybe a little bit of suffering brings depth and a real beauty to your life. And I mention this because all the readings deal with this paradox. Jesus' Beatitudes in the Gospel of Luke, it's a paradox. What the world says is a blessing may actually be a curse. What the world says is a curse may actually be a blessing. So, um, like, so Jesus, he reverses what the culture says is a blessing. Um, blessed are the poor. Blessed are the persecuted. Um, it's a reverse. 
And it's a curse to be what the world says. So Jesus, in the Gospel of Luke, he doesn't pull punches. He said, starts with, blessed are the poor. In the Gospel of Matthew, he'll clean it up and say, blessed are the poor in spirit. In Luke, it is the poor, the hurting, they're the ones who are blessed. Why does Luke, when I say Luke, why does Jesus in Luke not pull punches? Because Luke's gospel is written to us Gentiles. We're the wealthy ones in the world. Um, so Jesus is not going to pull punches. What you consider blessed may be a curse. What is a curse may actually make you a better person. It's kind of like this great dinner I had with uh, one of my friends. Um, he's a neurosurgeon. Neurosurgeons, they earn the most amount of money. And he is the smartest person in the room. He is brilliant. Um, great guy. And he married another one of my friends, and she's amazing, and she was successful in business. And her father, we went over to her parents' house for dinner. Her father was a very successful businessman. He's a millionaire. And during the dinner, and both her parents do this, they they don't pull their punches. During dinner, the grandfather says, you know, when you two marry and have kids, your kids are going to be lucky. They'll have everything they want. You two will have more wealth than we ever did. And he said, when you were growing up, we could have bought all our kids their own car. We bought them a beater car, and you had to ask us for permission. And he says, I've seen this in other families where they give their kids everything, and their kids become successful but they don't become great adults. Don't ruin your kids. And he says, we didn't do that to you. You have to keep your kids humble. So I love the fact that now, you know, they're my age, their kids are adults. Their kids are not only successful because they received the best in life, but their parents made sure they suffered. Their parents made sure that they were humble. Like, I'm, they're harder than I am, but they were hard on their kids to make sure they stayed humble. One of their sons, he's a great guy, but he's kind of a perfectionist and a little uptight and things have to go his way. And they're joyful. So starting in elementary school, they were not going to have their kids be ruined by the blessings of their wealth. Um, so starting in elementary school, you know, they made them serve the poor, work at St. Vincent's. Um, even in elementary school when uh, he's like in kindergarten and he would always complain about something. No, no, we don't complain. Don't want to listen to your complaints. Um, so she'd say, no, if you're going to ride in my car, you have to name five things that went well this day for every complaint you said. Then later in elementary school, once he started to complain, so her motto was, I'll give you something to complain about, um, which works. And that was the warning that if you don't change your attitude, life is going to be really tough. And once she kicked him out of the car and made him walk home, I mean, it was only a mile to their house, but it was uphill. And so when you get the warning, you want something to complain about, uh, no silent treatment, no pouting, you better be joyful. And I want to see a smile on your face. But their point, the philosophy was, no, we are going to make sure our kids thrive. They won't, the blessings of life will not turn into a curse. And the paradox in the gospel is what the world says is a blessing may be a curse. What a curse may be a blessing. You know, um, so same in the first reading. Jeremiah said, 
I know, sometimes the worst thing that happens to you is the best thing that happens to you. So God, Jesus is not pulling his punches. Blessed are the hungry. Uh, I, I mean, just going over it. Blessed are the hungry. Cursed are those who are self-satisfied. Blessed are those who feel other people's pain. Cursed are those who laugh at other people's suffering. Blessed are those who stand up for what's right. Cursed is those who just live their life to be popular. So the whole readings talk about this. Jesus is flipping it on his head. And it ends with this strange, the first reading talks about a tree. The, the responsorial psalm connects tree and blessing. What's going on there? So just to let you know what's going on there, it's still this idea of blessing and curses. There are the third most common symbol in the Bible is that of a tree. God loves trees. He has tree on the brain. He, God so loves trees that every year he gives them a ring on their birthday. Um, and it's this analogy that human beings were trees. And what do you want to be? A little tiny bush or a big tree? To become a big tree that blooms, thrives through life. You have to push your roots deep down where it will, your roots will finally reach the water of life. And you'll have, you know, life in you. But you need periods of drought and hardship to really help you push your roots down to the ground. You need maybe cancer or heart attack and a little bit of poverty. Or a mother who says, get out of the car, you're going to stop complaining. You need to push your roots deep down. The bush, the bush is the one that, it's a small tree. The reason why it's small is that all its roots are on the surface. It's totally dependent upon the physicist, I was going to say, vicissitudes of weather, you know, circumstance. It's all on the surface. It's very superficial, no depth. And so when hard times come, they dry up. And my point of the gospel is that, wow, no, you want a blessed life. You can either fall for the theology of, no offense, Adele and the rest of the world, that to be healthy and wealthy and popular is the most important thing. Do you want your kids to learn that gospel? Because I guarantee it's overwhelming evidence that they'll have a lot of problems later in life. Or do you want the gospel of Christ, where maybe a little suffering is good for you? God so loved us that God gave us, God so loved the world, he gave us the cross. Which gospel are you going to choose for your children? One where they stay superficial and become victims or with deep roots? Let's pray they become great trees with deep roots. The good mother fails. Hello, this is Father Len McMillan. I'd like to take a moment to thank you for listening to our podcast. If they've been a blessing to you, I'd also like to invite you to prayerfully discern supporting the podcast financially. Your generosity would help support the ongoing production and distribution of the podcast. If you'd like to make a donation, you can simply click the link in the podcast description. Be sure to tell us your donation is for the podcast in the comment section of the submission form. Again, thank you for your support as we seek to share the good news of the gospel. May God bless you for your generosity.